The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel podcast, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and help them succeed in their careers and lives. In today's episode, we talk to Sam Curvigliano, CEO and co-founder of SkyCiv Engineering, who will also be the sponsor for the next two upcoming episodes. We will be talking to Sam about how the cloud is shifting the way we design as well as programming and structural engineering. I'm your co-host, Matt Picardle, and I'm a licensed engineer at DCI Engineers, practicing on structural projects in California. I have my undergraduate degree from Cal Poly Pomona and my master's in structural engineering from UC San Diego. And I'm your co-host, Alexis Clark. I work in Hilti's North American headquarters as the product manager for our chemical anchoring portfolio in the U.S. and Canada. I'm a licensed professional engineer in Texas. I received my bachelor's in civil engineering from UT Austin and I'm currently an MBA candidate at Auburn. Before Matt introduces our guest, I wanted to share with you that the very first episode of This Week in Civil Engineering, also known as TWICE, has been published today. TWICE is a 10 to 15 minute weekly audio and video podcast hosted by practicing civil, structural, and geotechnical engineers, bringing listeners the latest industry news. We recognize that none of us have the time to read up on all the news we'd like to anymore, and soon we won't have to, thanks to TWICE. Go check it out at www.twice.news. That's T-W-I-C-E dot news. Make sure to subscribe to the show to get your weekly updates. Before we introduce our guest for the show, I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, SkySiv. SkySiv is the first and only fully cloud-based structural analysis and design software suite. With a streamlined and efficient user interface, SkyCiv users are able to complete their analysis and design projects in just a fraction of the time. Using easy graphical inputs and tools, generate 3D structures for analysis and automate design using the integrated modules. Eliminate the black box effect with extensive hand calculations, uh, reports for steel, concrete, wood, and cold form elements. And if you're stuck, ping the SkyCiv live chat for quick help or share your file directly with the SkyCiv support team. With monthly updates released directly to the platform, SkyCiv users get to dive right into the new and exciting features without any manual updates, downloads, or maintenance fees. Everything offered by SkyCiv is included in a single monthly subscription that is cost-effective for nearly every type of structural engineer. Check out SkyCiv at skyciv.com forward slash EMI for your extended free trial today. Now I'd like to introduce our guests for this episode. Sam Corigliano is the CEO and co-founder of SkyCiv.com, the first structural analysis and design software available 100% on the cloud. Sam has a degree in business, engineering, and is a full-stack developer, leading him to launch SkyCiv in 2015. Since then, SkyCiv cloud technology has served 200,000 users in over 160 countries worldwide. He's also responsible for the day-to-day operations, functions, and vision of SkyCiv. Now let's jump into our conversation with Sam.
Sam, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Before we dive too further into our questions, can you tell our audience a little bit more about what it is that you do on a daily basis at SkySiv Cloud Engineering Software? I manage a lot of the day-to-day operations at the company, regular meetings with uh, product development team, marketing, sales. I'm still quite heavily involved in the product itself. Paul and I, my co-founder, we're really big product guys, so we really enjoy having a hands-on approach to the product. And we really believe that if you make a good product, it sells itself. So that's really at, at a very core part of the company. So in order to keep that vision on trend, we definitely like to be involved with the product development side of But usually my days start off um, with a team meeting. We have a couple of those through the day. The first one kicks off at 9 a.m. We're liaising with the product team, figuring out what updates to do or what feature requests we have and and kind of organizing those to go out after testing. So I was usually wearing a few different hats in any given day, but um, I really enjoy uh, where we're at. So it's a labor of love. You know, with the SkySiv, I checked out the software and tried it out a bit. It reminds me of a, a tech startup journey but uh, in the structural engineering field. Can you tell us about the journey, how you, I believe you're the co-founder. So how did you and your other co-founder start up from Sydney to now reaching a, a global audience with this software? My co-founder is actually my next door neighbor. So we were studying engineering together and we're just kicking a ball around in the backyard one, one day and, and we're sort of just discussing our, our degrees and also just the lack of uh, easy to use software and software that was specifically online we realized that our structural engineering software that we were using at the time, it wasn't great to work with and it was you know, very difficult to learn. And, and also the being desktop, you had to download and install it. We're having some problems with that as well. So the idea kind of spawned from that, that there was no one bringing structural engineering to the cloud to be the ones to, to fill that void. So we started tinkering with software and um, teaching ourselves how to program and released an early product, which is SkySive Beam, um, which is still a very popular product today. And from that, we were just getting a lot of feature requests and people really loved it and people wanted to see more of it. So we, we decided to brand it as SkySiv and release a suite of structural analysis software and really focus on uh, making it easy to use and cloud-based, which was what we were hearing our existing user base were really, really enjoying. So uh, it's been quite a journey since then. That was uh, five years ago. And we now have a team. And, and as you mentioned, we have uh, users across the globe, which is fun, but also challenging, keeping us up at night <laughs> sometimes. But um, yeah, it's been an amazing journey so far, and we're really excited for what's to come in the future. First of all, I'm amazed that your next door neighbor also happens to be a structural engineer because that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> He's actually the one that got me into it. Um, I was doing business study, like studying commerce, and I always had a passion for building things. And he was always like, you know, why don't you do engineering or combine the degrees? So. Yeah, I've got to really thank him too, because he's the one that, I guess, like Inception, he put the idea in my mind and it grew. And uh, next thing I knew, I was doing engineering, which I absolutely love. I'm very passionate about engineering. So, 2015 is a new wave time to be thinking about a fully cloud-based software, right? I feel like you guys are a little ahead of your time. I think so, but I think it also gave us time to build the product, to get it to a really good place, to where the, the market was ready. Definitely, we're seeing it in other industries. Other industries have moved a lot faster than, say, engineering. And they're, you know, completely on the cloud now. They've made that shift. They've made that transition. And sort of the way we see it is that the last real transition was moving from, like, large computers that took up, you know, rooms uh, to desktop computers. And that was sort of in the 70s and 80s. And now we're going through another transformation where we're moving online. We're moving to the cloud. And we're seeing other industries make that shift and, and benefit from that. 
I guess we wanted to get in early. We, we knew that that's where the future is headed. And I think that gave us time to sort of build up and prepare ourselves and focus on the product to make sure that that was right by the time the industry sort of did it. You mentioned this big shift from desktop to cloud. How do you think that cloud shift is going to affect the way that structural engineers design? There's a few core areas where that will come into play. I think the first and foremost is accessibility. Right now, you have to have the software installed on your local desktop computer, and that's the the amount of access that you have. You can't visit it from another browser or or jump on another computer or jump on your mobile. We don't have that accessibility. That's kind of an issue in the industry. Being on the cloud means you can jump on your mobile. Um, You can access it from a Mac computer. You can access it from a tablet. All your files are central in a central location. You can even you know, share your models and collaborate and work in real time. It's kind of like you know, if you've ever used Google Drive, having a, a sheet or a um, Word document on Google Drive, multiple people can be editing it at once and you just get a lot more work done in that way because it's a lot more collaborative and you can achieve higher level of productivity. So I think that accessibility is probably the first issue that it addresses and um, you know, same as if sort of you're on your email, you're able to... Actually, edit. I might just pause there because I'm sort of going on a rant. I don't want to burn up too much time. This is probably a very biased question because I was part of the development of a cloud-based software for Hilti and then launched it at the beginning of 2019. And we definitely saw a benefit to the accessibility to getting to your software from any computer, from any location, so long as your Wi-Fi connected. And that was a struggle for us sometimes because we, we had some pushback from existing users of our desktop software who said, well, I don't always have access. Maybe I'm on a job site and I'll have access to Wi-Fi or um, what if my connectivity is down, you know, does the cloud store everything that I've done up to that point? Have you had any issues with accessibility or um, have you gotten any pushback from potential customers who say they do still want a desktop version? How have you overcome those? It's a very small percentage. Um, I would say less than 1% that have those issues um, with internet connectivity is only getting stronger. We've got 5G around the, the corner, which is 10 times the speed of 4G. So even having uh, access from your mobile is becoming faster. And if you really look at where the resources are being you know, applied to, it's, it's towards the cloud and this online technology and internet and making internet faster. So that technology and that connectivity is only going to improve. For sure, it's not, it might not be for everyone. If you're in a very remote location with you know, pretty poor internet connectivity, it's probably not the right product for you. But uh, like I said, the, the pushback we receive is less than 1%. Mostly we're seeing the benefits and the positives come from being able to access from a, a device that they might not have otherwise been able to access from. As technology keeps going you know, further advancing, I think they're even going to just start having more Wi-Fi even on construction sites or wherever you're going. And I think it would become less of an issue. And I mostly work at a typical design office because there are some softwares that are, you know, trying to get on the cloud. And when I tinkered with the cloud-based software, like you were saying, like Google or whatnot, I do think that is where things should be going because I think one of the cool things is you don't have to worry about like those big updates or if you have the latest software or you need to install something. And as a firm, if you have like a medium to large size firm, you don't have to worry about manually updating everybody's software. But also the really cool thing is uh, the collaboration. I think that's what opens up doors because um, we use software where everyone can collaborate, especially with um, everyone going virtual now. The more it opens up kind of that real-time updates, maybe even like you know commenting on someone's model 
while they're working on it, things like that. That's what's really cool and interesting about, you know, getting on the cloud. So it's, there's definitely a lot of benefits that I think that are definitely where the future is going. And I mean, there's a lot of other sort of areas too where the cloud brings improvements to productivity and even design, um, things like optimization. If you have your cloud servers, they can be 32, 64 core computers, huge supercomputers. Obviously, we don't have access to that as our local computers are only usually four cores. So what that allows us to do is run through thousands of iterations of possible models to find the, the sort of optimal design that reduces the cost and material usage for your clients. So there's things like that that we're exploring as well and, and even design automation where you're sort of automating parts of your job which are pretty mundane and boring so through like API and things like that. So you can work a lot more productive where you're sort of automating certain tasks or certain design procedures so that you can turn around those projects a lot faster and give your clients a better service. So there's a few different um, areas where cloud is benefiting other industries and we're drawing on those and trying to apply them to the structural engineering profession. I wanted to transition really quick because uh, we had the opportunity to read a really interesting article that you wrote recently that was published on LinkedIn called Programming and Structural Engineering, Why It's Becoming an Essential Skill. And I'm fascinated by this because I will be the first to admit that up until a few years ago, I thought that engineering was the only valuable skill. And I have since learned my lesson. Uh, I'm actually getting my MBA myself. So the business side, I'm starting to realize is very useful. And to any of our audience, if you did not catch our last episode that just aired, some different things, even if you're not interested in the business path for yourself, um, some things that you can learn from a little bit of business school in an hour from an episode of a, a podcast that can help you be better in your job as a structural engineer. Go back and listen to that one. But when I'm referring to this article that you wrote about programming being a skill for structural engineers, it's hard for me because that seems like such a very different technical skill to utilize in a consulting role. So can you tell our listeners a little bit, give us a debrief on that article and why you believe it's it's important that our listeners learn how to program? I don't see them too distant just because um, you kind of apply the same logic that you would as an engineer to programming. Um, you sort of using like systems like if statements and procedures and protocol or a system of rules that you have to use in order to achieve a solution. So it's the same as like, you know, engineers, we use physics. Uh, programmers have to work within the bounds of what the programming language can do. So we're actually very good. We have really good minds for programming, actually engineers in general. And I think there's quite a lot of people, I'd say maybe like in my experience, I've noticed like 10, 20% of engineers have a real interest in programming. And I think it's for the same reasons. We're solving problems. It's at the core of what we want to do as engineers. For any young engineers who do have that interest in programming, there's a lot of opportunities. Um, there's new roles coming up for data scientists or computational engineers. And these are very digital roles where they help companies automate or become more productive for the engineering team. So they might develop solutions that um, really remove some of those mundane tasks and let the engineering team be more effective. And I think that's where a lot of the benefit comes from the company side, where they have a team of engineers um, really benefiting from having one, two digital engineers that are able to program and able to develop these solutions to be more productive. I really believe it's important. I also, th also think by doing that, we're future-proofing our industry as well, because if we have, you know, if you look at the new technology that's coming across, like machine learning or artificial intelligence, it's going to be programmers that, that really run with this. So um, having that link to programming from a structural engineering profession uh, industry, having that link and having those grounds covered really future-proofs our industry and also propels us forward in the future. 
So I really do believe it's important. I think it's it's an easy transition to make for an engineer because we're already very good at a lot of those things you need to be good at to be a good programmer. So Sam, I want to dive into something really quickly. And that is, you just mentioned that structural engineers are primed to be great in programming. We are, we're technically minded. We can work within the bounds of a structured system to create a solution and get to the end goal. So what I'm hearing is, is anyone in our audience could do this. But my question to you is, are there characteristics or ambitions in, in a specific type of structural engineer that really plug in well to the programming thing? Who in our audience should, their ears should perk up right now and say, oh, that's me. Maybe I should look into this. I think it's for anyone who has done some programming and been really interested in it. We get a lot of emails and um, you know, people reach out to us saying, I'm a structural engineer, but I'm really interested in programming. I did a course at uni. It was just a computational course, like a simple programming course. But right off the bat, I really enjoyed it. And I really had a passion for wanting to do more of that. So I think for those people who have been exposed to it and really get interested in it and find themselves uh, sort of being drawn to that, I think definitely you want to dive deep into that. You know, there's a lot of great courses out there like Udemy and Coursera and Codebase. They're free to, to subscribe to and you can learn how to the theory of the programming. And I think that is a great place to start. It needs to also come from the company too who want to become more efficient and innovate and sort of empowering these engineers with this interest in programming to develop those skills and just develop some of those solutions, prototype things and and just play around with it. I think it comes from both sides. So, Yeah, to chime in from a, a design firm perspective, you know, I think at the end of the day for a firm, the more they can automate some of these calcs, the more profitable they're going to be. I see it as a, you know, going into the future, you already have engineers fresh out of, you know, graduation. They're really good with Excel. They're basically programming with Excel with all these scripts. And I know during grad school for me, I mean, we basically learned how to program for the most part and know how programming works. And I think a good transition for like a firm is like you were saying, Sam, like the firm supports it and they want to get into it. But I think with the technology where it actually gets into the programming, I know there's like softwares that allow you to go into um, the code and kind of make like scripts for it, similar to Excel. But um, I think there's potential for softwares where you can get like really creative if you're a good programmer and know how the program works and the scripting behind the program. Is it like a custom scripts or something like that? I know they're doing it for like in, in the BIM world with their scripts, but I know the SkySiv have something like that where they can do custom programming or make their own scripts for that type of software? Yeah, definitely. We have an open API, which lets you sort of directly connect to the SkySiv technology. So you can directly connect to our structural analysis software or our um, design checks or our modeling or our rendering, even reporting. So you can automate any job that involves those parts. And, and definitely that's another thing that we see in the future um, that we're seeing in other industries is having an open API where engineers can create their own custom solutions because no two structural engineering firms are identical. They've got their own problems. They've got their own needs. So just giving them the tools that they need to develop their own solutions is what we want to do. So that is the purpose behind the API. And we're seeing so many improvements from other industries and other professions that are tapping into API technology and just they're, they're flying, they're working a lot more, they're a lot more productive in their work. And I think we want to share that with our industry. Now I'm not a programmer, but I think of it as Excel, how you can get into scripting, but now you have a software where you can do the scripting and get all custom and do some crazy stuff. I know if you're a younger engineer and you're really familiar with programming, 
that might be something that you might be interested in, maybe messing around with uh, different types of software to see how you can benefit your firm. And I think that's definitely where the future is going. Sam, you know, as a CEO and you can or and starting your own company, I know you have like a lot of vision and you can see where the the industry is going. I'm curious to see how you think the industry is going to change or adapt maybe in the five, 10, or maybe even the next 50 years. Like, where do you see it going in terms of uh, your vision for the structural engineering industry? Well, I think there's quite a few uh, technologies that are coming through um, that are really going to change the way we design and work in general, not, not just in our profession, but the world as a whole. I think machine learning is a really interesting one. I think um, AI is another one that is quite closely related. But I think for our particular industry, I can see um, there's quite a lot of interest in design automation. I think that'll be the first steps to change in our industry. Um, it kind of makes sense that we follow sort of procedures and physics and rules that are really change much. The design codes and, like I said, physics and forces, they haven't changed in hundreds of years. So sort of writing smarter algorithms to deal with those laws and rules, I think is where we're heading. And I see a big push from this from even companies like Autodesk. They have an API as well, and they're pushing for design automation as well. As an industry, we're moving in that direction, um, having API technology, um, having programmers who sit in between structural engineers and you know the programming side of things to develop these solutions. I think that's where the, the next big change is going to come from. And I see that progressing over the next yeah, five to 10 years. And then beyond that, I think the other technology will sort of start to take play. Things like machine learning and AI and even VR and, and those sorts of technologies taking on from what we've achieved in the, in the first five to 10 years through design automation. I think that's a really interesting vision. And I, I certainly don't disagree with you. At least in the US, we're kind of feeling this shift in, in structural engineering perspective. We have a design code and we're very prescriptive in nature in a lot of ways. And in the past 10, 20 years, there has been this rhetoric around performance-based design and designing outside of the code guidelines and being creative and being what that means to be more efficient or to be more conservative, but designing for the actual need of and function of the building and the system and whatever else you're designing. And so I'm curious, how do you think it's going above and beyond the code, but kind of this play outside of code requirements? could fit in with technology. I mean, kind of the way I'm piecing these two worlds together is I envision a structural engineer either programming a code through an API to say, this is what I need that to do, or an engineer guiding this bot of sorts that's actually executing calculations and providing suggestions. And then the engineer maybe tweaks it. Help me visualize this vision of yours. In the beginning, it's going to be definitely the bot, we'll call it, performs, uh, say, 90% of the work or a big chunk of the work, uh, particularly in like preliminary design stage. And then the engineer takes off and runs with it to sort of optimize it and improves it rather than it's sort of end-to-end, you know, being run by a computer. So I think it, what it does is enables, it gives the engineer his time back to optimize and, and focus on areas of the design where he can improve it for the client rather than those mundane early tasks. It's going to definitely start off with. And then beyond that, I think you make a very good point where, where the needs of clients and architects is really changing. Um, you know, we're even seeing like programs like Grasshopper and Dynamo, what they can do and what they can create, these really incredible designs. And, and now the structural engineer has to adapt to those new designs. And we have to do it in a very efficient way because there's going to be more and more of these buildings coming up. So it's up to sort of the engineers to sort of navigate where that's going to go and where those you know, how we're going to design these buildings. I think uh, there's going to probably be less and less pressure on reliance on prescriptive design codes. 
and it sort of opens up to, well, how else can we, we look at designing these structures in a more flexible way? Maybe using FEA, maybe using smarter technology around the analysis side could be a way around that. And it, it also opens up to then you have a general sort of system that we can use country to country or that's really interesting. And it's a bit beyond my pay grade, I think. <laughs> I would uh, leave it up to smarter minds and me to, to develop what that would look like. And I think um, but I'd be really excited to see how we transition to those more creative designs as a profession. There's always that automation, right? If you're a company, you want to automate stuff so you can get more out of your money. And like what you were saying, Sam, focus on the more important things. Maybe you can get more creative by having testing five different designs instead of wasting all your time trying to come up with one and then all your time is wasted on that. So yeah, I definitely don't disagree with you. Like it'll give us more options, creativity to implement in our designs and focus on the more important things. Where it's kind of leading towards too is, you know, there's like talk about, well, will they even need structural engineers anymore in the future because of all the, the software? And, you know, I always tell people, it's like, you need to be that guide for that robot or whatever that's producing all that. Because at the end of the day, the robot's not stamping the drawing. Someone needs to know what's going on and if it looks right. And that's what I tell the younger engineers too. It's you're being paid to interpret the results and see if the software, whatever it's doing is correct or not. And then if you can get that out and you're doing well how to engineer things without uh, crunching all the numbers and kind of get that structural engineering, uh, what they call it, like the feeling of what a structure is supposed to look like and behave. Once you get the fundamentals down, then you can go crazy with the software because you're comfortable with it and you know how it's outputting things and you're checking its results. I think that's where the engineers will have like the really good tools to optimize their creativity, maybe with like the performance-based design, because there's probably softwares that do performance-based designs similar to that too. But really, I think it'll allow the structural engineer of the future to be really creative with the technology that people were, you know, putting out there. So I think it's really exciting. I think you said it perfectly, Matt. Optimize your creativity. For an engineer, that's exactly what these tools should be doing. That was just beautifully said. And I think so many times throughout history, we've thought, oh, this new technology is going to take away all our jobs. But actually what it's done is just shifted it to be into creating different types of roles, right? And I think the same is going to happen. We're removing all the boring, mundane tasks of modeling or data integrations and things like that. And allowing the engineer to have more freedom and more free time to focus on better designs. And I think that's a win-win for everyone inside and outside of the industry. All right, Sam, the hot topic. You have a this interesting combination of business and engineering and programming. And you know, you definitely have taken your engineering skill and transformed it into something very different that most engineers uh, may not do during their career. To all of our listeners who are thinking, you know, what, this guy has such interesting ideas and, you know, I don't really know if this is a path that I see for me. I know that you have a wealth of insight to share with our audience to help them be their best selves uh, in their personal and career. What kind of nuggets of wisdom would you like to share with us today? For any young engineer, it's going to sound corny, but just follow your passion. I'm so glad that I made that decision um, back in studying because when I was studying, I was studying commerce, I didn't really enjoy it. Then I looked at engineering, I really liked that. And then programming was like a subset of that that I just fell headfirst into. So I'm so glad I made that decision that I don't know where it's going to lead, but I'm going to really follow and double down on, on what I'm really interested in, which was the programming side. That can apply to any engineer in, in any field, you know, whether it's a civil engineer who's just getting started and maybe has a taste of hydraulic engineer or geotech or structural. And I think just really, really follow that 
don't be afraid to sort of do things outside of what you're studying as well. We're programming after hours at night time because that's where we were interested in. So don't be afraid to, to use that, some of that free time you have as a student to uh, follow some of those passions that you have because you don't know where they'll lead. For a younger engineer, that's, I would give my advice. Sorry, that's the advice I would give to myself 10 years ago. For a general engineer in, in an office who is interested in, in sort of improving workflows and, and designing smarter, I think freeing up some of your time to focus on those areas is a great way to go. I think we always recommend 2% of your workforce should be applied to creating more creative designs, creative solutions to your workflow problems. So if you're in a team of 50, having one person who's dedicated to developing solutions for your engineering team, we find companies that do that are are a lot more productive and companies who do more than that are even more productive. So we sort of drawn on companies that we've, uh, and research that we've done with other companies and sort of taken how much time are they spending to R&D and then look at a typical engineering team and how you can sort of apply that rule to them. If you're really interested in programming, there's this whole other you know, avenue that you can go into to really either maybe change your career path, maybe get into more programming, or just use your programming skills that you're really interested in to help your firm now, like what you were saying, Sam, maybe putting those extra skills into improving the workflow, that can really help your company out. And that's one way to add value to your company because, you know, if you can improve the workflow, that's, and you multiply that by 50 people, that saves a lot of time. So uh, really great advice. And thank you so much for being on the show. And it's really cool to talk to people with uh, leadership positions that are doing some really cool things. And it's really great to see what your vision of the future is and sharing your advice with us. So thanks so much, Sam. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 34, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to check out EMI's newest podcast, This Week in Civil Engineering which can be found at twice.news. Make sure to share it with your civil engineering colleagues. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. The Structural Engineering Channel podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.